Hi, this is Coffee with the Sarlos, and I'm Karen. I'm Kelly. Welcome. And, I, and I'm getting chipper the more that I practice saying this at the beginning. <laughs> more excited about what we're doing. Yeah, we're getting into a groove. And if you've been listening to our show, then thank you for doing that. Sticking it out through the awkward beginning stages. It's like a relationship. It's like dating. It's like you're on your best behavior and nervous in the, in the first little bit. Uh, okay, so today we are talking about being a medical intuitive. Just thought it would be kind of cool because we're uh, people get to listen to two medical intuitives. Um, and um, even though they can't call in at the, right at the moment and ask us questions, um, they can listen to the show and send us an email at the end or at info. No. Info at buysarlo.com. That's it. Um, and ask us questions about this. And we would love to uh, um, answer your questions. and Or even if you just have a comment or whatever, and we wanna, you want to send that to us, and we can chat about it or whatever. I think our general topics, just things that people are interested in hearing, we're, we're always happy to discuss. Because the only thing that we really have to go on is our, our personal sessions that we offer people. Mm-hmm. So if it hasn't come to our attention yet, then, then bring it. Mm-hmm. So can I start, Kelly? Because mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. Okay. As per usual. Well, the reason I want to start <clears throat> is because, well, because I've been doing the treatments longer, and just the the way that it started for me, in being able to understand what a medical intuitive is, how important Carolyn Miss was in my life, um, in being able to identify my own gifts, so that I could understand by labeling it what it is, because. It, Quite often you can be something or feel something, but I mean, if you're a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or certain fields, then you know when you pick up a nail and hammer, you're called a carpenter. Mm-hmm. You you know when you are painting something that you're a painter. There might be different classifications of types of paint, but you still know something about what you do. But so much of the of what I've learned and who I am didn't come easily because there wasn't an identifiable label to it, I'll say, which is good in many ways. But it was just a story in how I got to discover what this was called. And then when you know what it's called, that you're able to say it to people, you're able to say I'm a medium and I'm a medical intuitive. And society might be really well versed in knowing what a psychic is. Um, or they might know what a, a medium is, though we still find lots of people don't know what mediums are and what we do. Um, but that a medical intuitive by far is something, I'll say, in the tiniest corner of what people might sign up for, you know, uh, for curriculum in school. I say, what are you going to be when you grow up? Nobody says, I'm going to be a medical intuitive. I'm going to talk to dead people. Um, that doesn't happen. So there's no real guidance to get there. So anyway... Uh, for me, um, in, in some of the treatments at the very beginning, I was just doing strictly energy healing and, um, based on Reiki, therapeutic touch, quantum touch, alchemical healing, um, very, very taught things where you get licensed, insured, and there's a curriculum to teach it. But some really funky things were happening to me, um, where I was feeling what other people were feeling. And we did a show about being empathic and how Connecting to the the empathic ability led the way, I'll say, and paved a way in vocabulary, but also an experience to being a medical intuitive, in that I was able to um, have somebody come into the house for a session into a treatment room and be able to feel their pain and then ask them if that's theirs. That's an odd thing to do right off the bat. Most people don't go to work and say, I have a headache. Oh, geez, George, do you have a headache? Um, oh, good. If you do, then it's not my headache. That, that's not the typical way we carry conversations. Mm-hmm. But this had to become my typical way of having a conversation with somebody um, was to be able to think, wow, if I've got a headache, why would I ask somebody else if they do? Mm-hmm. But when they did, I would go, oh, and then mine would go away. And I'd go, well, that was really weird. My headache went away as soon as they said they had a headache. Well, this is, this is interesting, and I want to interject here because I think some people will listen and think, well, isn't that empathic, right? You're feeling what another person feels. So what is the difference? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm asking for the sake of us being able to educate people. Um, <clears throat> what is the difference between empathic and medical intuitive? Or not necessarily what's the difference, but where does one start and end and the other one begin? Okay, well, for me, 
um, being empathic meant that I felt what other people were feeling, but I also got to eventually see it in the body. So I would literally have a person walk through the dining room and I would see a great big hard <coughs> mass on their left hip. And I would say, do you have something going on in your left hip? Not meaning that they had a limp or that they had any outward appearance of saying that they had something on their left hip. Okay, I could pick lung cancer. You can't see lung cancer from the outside. But I could see lung cancer and be able to say, do you have lung cancer? And I had to be brave enough, first of all, to even ask people things like that. That's mm -hmm. a that's a tough question <clears throat> to say to a stranger, somebody who's coming into your house thinking that you're the professional, have no idea that you're a medical intuitive, but they might be coming because they think that you're a medium. And all of a sudden I'm saying, is it accurate that you have lung cancer? And the person's saying yes, over and over consistently. And that was the consistency of those affirmations that created more desire in me to see how accurate it is for everything. Not just the body then, not just, I'll say, the organs, but was I getting it correct if I saw vertebrae? Was it correct if I saw hip? Was it correct if I saw broken bones? Was it correct if I saw brain and thought patterns that were broken, I'll call it? Or aneurysms where my head would get an explosion and I would go, holy crap, I've got a head explosion. Oh, yes, my dad died of an aneurysm. And I'd go, holy crap. Then the next time I'd have a person and I might sit in front of somebody and, or, and say, did you have an aneurysm? And they would say, yes, I did. How'd you know that? Because I just got told it. Because I saw it. Because I felt it. And then it went into other senses where I could smell it. So somebody would walk past me in the mall. I remember asking an old man in Northgate Square. He was walking beside me and I smelled something foul. And I didn't know what the smell was. And then I got like a release in my cheeks, like a um, chemically taste in my mouth. And it was really bitter. And I heard the one of the guides say, um, that's bowel cancer. And I thought, what? And I remember turning to the man in the mall and saying, I'm a medical intuitive. Am I allowed to ask you for permission? Can I ask you a question? I'm getting a smell and a taste of something. And I, I, I'm trying to figure out if I know what I'm doing. And he said, sure, sure. I don't know what that means, but go ahead, <laughs> young lady. <laughs> you know, all his tolerance for me. And I said, do you have bowel cancer? And he looked at me and said, my dear, I do. How did you know that, sweetheart? And I said, I could smell you. And he said, what? And he thought that I meant that he, that I could smell poo or I could mm -hmm. smell something. Something human. Something human. And I said, oh, no, sir. It's not a human smell. <laughs> like, how do you explain this? He's probably thinking he's dreaming. Yeah. And I, I'm trying to say to him, oh, and then I had a release of these chemicals in my mouth and I could taste it. And he's just looking at me like, <laughs> move along, <laughs> move along. And but to his credit, he said to me, well, if you know that, am I going to survive this? Mm -hmm. And I looked at him and I said, no. And he said, how do you know that? And he said, never mind. If you could tell that I had bowel cancer without an MRI in front of you, and you aren't my doctor, sweetie, then I'm going to take it for granted that you're right. Mm -hmm. So there I'll say there is a taking for granted in this process of that, if you get five affirmations, I'm going to go for my sixth. And I'll say it's very mathematical in that I want percentages. That if I'm if I'm 90% right, I'll call myself a medical intuitive. <laughs> if I'm 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60 or 70% right, I might not. Or even 80. Because I don't want that 20% error of margin of error um, for me. So my margin of error had to be flipping high before I was going to be willing to actually say that I was. Uh, and you know, Kelly, because I kept asking you, can we talk about that now? How I would ask you for affirmations? Mm -hmm. um, can, am I going on a rampage? Mm -hmm. Is it okay if I continue? Uh, it's your show. <laughs> it's true. They can always hit stop. 
Okay. So the other part that were another thing that happened during this time was that you were in Ottawa going to university and uh, in taking psychology. And um, after I would see a client, um, Kelly and I would talk two, three, four times a day. And I would ask you what you got. Is that correct? Am I remembering this right? Mm -hmm. And or you would come up and, and start the conversation and say, did you see somebody today? Um, I had you had a sore stomach or you had something. Is mm -hmm. that am I remembering all this right? Yeah. And that this is how the gifts kind of open for both of us as being a mom and daughter. That as I'm seeing a client and you're studying psychology four hours away, that as I'm sharing something and asking you what you're getting, your gifts were starting to open so that in the middle of a class, you might get pain in your fingers. And then when I when we speak at the end of the day, you might say, why did I have those pain in my fingers today? And I could say, oh, that was my two o'clock appointment. She had Reynos. Mm -hmm. And then you would go, oh my God. Okay, that's what Reynos feels like. So this be, this is a very difficult process because when you are a fairly healthy person, how do I feel MS? How do I feel fibromyalgia? I had to have the spirit world tell me that the aches in my body and the flare up of severe pain in 15 spots all at the same time is called fibromyalgia. That's not lupus. Or that's not MS. Are you okay? Mm -hmm. I'm just uh, going to adjust the blinds here. Okay. So, um, because some people might think, well, if they're healthy, how would they, I don't believe they could ever get that right. If you haven't lived with MS, you wouldn't know what I'm feeling. Well, see, and this is why I posed the question seven minutes ago um, about <laughs> the difference between the empath and the medical intuitive. And I think a lot of what you've touched on now poses or asks another question of what's the difference between psychic and medical intuitive. Because when you give the example of that gentleman saying, well, if you know that I've got it, do I survive it? He's no longer honing in on the medical intuitive part. He's asking you to be psychic and see future. That's right? correct. And so even the way that you're describing receiving the information as a medical intuitive, you're actually touching on the clairvoyance, clairaudience, clair all of the Claire sisters, as you call them. Yeah. Um, in in being able to open your gifts and and receive that information so <clears throat> the medical intuitive part of the, the actual information of the medical intuitive uh, what sets that apart from other psychics i don't know other than the fact that we, you and i both use all six of the senses you're talking all about. six senses okay to be to be able to get the medical information so i don't know what other medical intuitives do I don't know how they get their messages. I don't know if their guides just say it to them. I know for me that the guides tell me that I smell things, that I mm -hmm. taste things, which is weird because you have to be able to, like I say, if you've got nerve pain and I've never had nerve pain, how do I know the difference between nerve damage, a vehicle accident, born that way, um, mm -hmm. cerebral palsy, um, all of these different things because I don't have any of them. Mm -hmm. And so somebody, and, and I can totally understand why people say, I can't believe in that because it's so complicated. And if you're coming from a medical background, you might be listening to this thinking, that's impossible. There are so many diseases. Mm -hmm. There are so many injuries and illnesses. It's impossible for any specialist to even know. We have to have computer data. We have to have DNA testing. We have to send this down into the United States at a lab that runs DNA tests. How in God's name could anybody with no medical background and no, none of these gadgets for DNA testing be accurate? And all I can say is, I haven't got a clue either. I can't answer the question. All I can do is ask the human being in front of me if I'm accurate and pay attention to is my accuracy 50%? Is it 80%? Is it 90? Is it 99? Yeah. What is it? And somebody <clears throat> might say, well, I'm a mathematician and on a scale of 365 days a year, you have to have some good days and some bad. <laughs> right? And all, all I know is that every single day, the only way that I know if I'm having a good day or a bad day is in that, that particular moment asking that particular client. Mm -hmm. 
and making sure every single day that when I veer off the 90 or the 99% that I stop myself. That, and that's the difference between me and a medical person. I stop. So that I can check in with the guides and say, why not? And this is something that I find interesting as a medical intuitive, psychic, and all of this, is that the guides are the ones that decide if I'm going to say it or I'm not going to say it. Mm -hmm. So I still might know that somebody's got cancer or they're going to get cancer. They might say in two years, prostate. Um, and I still have to ask the guides if I'm allowed to give that message or not, because mm -hmm. the guides might say, no, they have to hear it from a doctor. Mm -hmm. The guides might say, nope, even the doctor and the PSA tests are never going to find it. They're just going to die of another cause. Mm -hmm. um, which I think people assume that if they have a disease like cancer, that a doctor's always going to catch it. And that there's 100% in that arena. I think it's interesting um, that, oh, this is going to sound weird. If I didn't know what I know because of what I do, I would be listening to this thinking, well, why wouldn't you just say it? If you hear it and the guides say you can't say it, why would that ever be a situation? Why would they ever hold something back? <clears throat> Pardon me. And I think it's really important to touch upon um, soul contracts or, or life paths, which we, we want to talk about anyway, in that we can't alter them. Mm -hmm. So that if, and the, it goes into all of the other gifts too about finding missing people. Um, people will say, well, if you're 99% accurate about everything else, how come you can't find this missing person, which we've experienced with search and rescue, mm -hmm. um, here in North Bay, but it may be on someone, someone else's path. So another, another human being who was meant to find that body somewhere because of the way it's going to affect them in their life path. Um, it may be in our best interest to not be able to find them because of our own safety, mm -hmm. right? Um, there's so many different reasons why we are not permitted to share information, even though the guides have it. Um, and that, I think, always reminds the two of us of, of really who, who our boss is. Mm -hmm. When, when we, we might start to think like, okay, I, I have accessed all the information. Everyone really does. But the guides only give so much at, at certain points in time because of what our path is. Mm -hmm. it, the, it, I think it's incredible and respectful um, how we have learned, I'll say we, as in you and I, as mm -hmm. medical intuitives or as whatever you want to call everything, the whole package of what we are. When I refer to us as a whole package, I hear people say gifted. And that's fine. There's I so mean, many, we just don't know what else to call it. That's right. It's not to say we're more gifted than anybody else that has a gift of carpentry or a gift of, I don't know, uh, math skills or whatever else people do, cooking. Um, but there's no, there's no name for the whole group of everything. But anyway, to the medical intuitive, it's been quite the journey. It's, it's been very difficult to separate what we, what I feel with what other people feel to be able to, um, have key people. I'll call them my key people, um, that came in treatments or in friendships that were able to give me confidence and self-esteem, um, by being accurate enough or being able to explain things to me. And, and some of the key people, and I won't, I won't say names because I haven't asked them for permission. I'll just say professions. But I've been really fortunate to know physicians and surgeons, um, physiotherapists, um, massage therapists, um, all different types of people, I'll say, in the whole medical community, psychiatrists um, that have been close enough to me to be able to affirm for me the accuracy of the medical intuitive information, whether it was about an organ, a muscle, a nerve, or the brain. Mm -hmm. uh, and in being able to say, this is what this is called. This is why you see this pathway in the brain. This is what it does to this organ, where I would get that information on my own with no education in this area. Uh, as you know, not everybody knows this, but I was trained to be a secretary or an office administrator in the 1980s and that I don't have a medical background to understand as a medical intuitive. I don't have anything that skews or has taught me anything to say this is the anatomy and this is how a healthy organ functions, but that I have to listen to the story that the organ tells me. 
And this is something else as a medical intuitive that was fascinating to me, was that I would put my hand down on a part of the body where I didn't even know that organ existed. Um, Say to a surgeon or whoever, a physician, is the liver here? Because I'm getting messages and it says this is the liver. And they would say, yes, keep going. And then I would keep my hand there and say, well, the liver is saying that you're angry about your child. <laughs> it's like, do you have a daughter? Is she 13? Is Does her name start with C? And it was like, yes, that's Caitlin. And I just had a fight with her. And, and then I and it was like, Are you, you're listening to my liver. And it's like, yes. And that, and where do you get that? Like, I didn't learn to make up a story like that. No teacher sat me down and said, There's pick holes an, in your story. Yeah, pick, pick, <laughs> pick an organ and make up a story about it. Like, you know, and somebody might say, wow, what a great imagination she's got. And I would say, wow, if that's, that's just the beginning, stay tuned to this show. If you think I have a great imagination to come up with all this shit on my own, <laughs> like, um, I'd be a rock star in that. But it's been guided. This whole process has been divinely guided by whatever you want to call the greater beings that exist. If you want to say that it's a God or I don't know, uh, whatever it is, however people want to determine that, because I have my own way that I want to see it. Um, and it doesn't matter. I just want people to be able to ma- to put it someplace if they need to. They want to call it the sky. I don't know. Mother Earth? Whatever. Um but that there's been guidance in being able to say that the organs speak and that the cells talk and that the nerves do. And that when I hear the story that uh, I remember holding people's feet and feeling and hearing conversations, I would put my hands over their ears or their feet and I would hear about sexual abuse. I don't know if other medical intuitives can touch people's feet or put their hands over their ears and hear the conversations word for word or see the act that was done to that person moment by moment and the feelings that the person felt as it was being done to them, but also the feelings of the person who was the perpetrator that was doing it and what that was doing to the person's liver. Um, Not just their own feelings as they were being molested, but the feelings of the person that was doing it to them, how the energy got transferred Mm -hmm. and that, As energy healers, you and I have to take that transference and separate it or turn it into some, through alchemy, into a different process. And how that is all linked to the medical intuitive stuff so that it's not just information that's being given to us. And there you go. Good luck with that. That we go further than that as energy healers. We don't just say, here's your problem uh, and out the door you go. You just stop on a dime. Yeah, I do sometimes because I think that people need a moment. I, I And I don't know if I'm right or wrong, Kelly, but it, I feel like they need like their pauses because I think when I listen to radio, there's no pause. When I, when oh, I, I'm not complaining. Yeah, no, I'm saying it's for purposeful though because <clears throat> TV and radio doesn't give us a pause. And sometimes when we go to listen to guest speakers or comedians or musicians, we don't want pauses. Mm-hmm. We want them to band to play on. We want things endlessly. And I and I guess I just think that pauses are where people have to insert their own experience or their own thought or their own question. I'm I'm on your side. I just I find it personally interesting where you choose to pause. Because I, I can also uh well, you know how often I listen to you in a day. Um you can rush over some of the most important parts. I'll say in your happy dance and in your celebration um, and not pause. <laughs> and then it's like, just when I'm expecting you to kind of amp, amp things up, it's there's a drop. And it's like, oh, oh did I miss something? Oh, oh, maybe it keeps you listening. <laughs> uh, can, can I keep going? Yeah. Or do you want to jump in? No, you had, you had kind of offered the topic of medical intuitive and I wasn't sure where you're, you were wanting to go. I'm, I'm still not sure that I'm sure. <laughs> Well, I, I, there's a lot, there are lots of places that I want to go with this and I guess I'm tumbling. So you're so good at just listening and let me tumble and then we'll m- pick up pieces and stuff after if you want. Story of our lives. It is. Um, I, I think the scariest thing for me as a medical intuitive was cancer. 
and it was to be able to say it to somebody, a complete stranger, um, that they have it in case I was, if I was right, I was scared because I was crossing a boundary and they might not want to talk about it or share it. But I was also scared if I was wrong because did, was I right about it or wrong and how often I had to wait, um, at the very beginning of doing this, um, for the person to give me the affirmation. So I remember, um, a friend, Sharon, psychiatric nurse, retired 30 years of, uh, working in psychiatric nursing. And, um, she and I hugged one day. We were, we had been at a sitting circle in a group with a group of women and, um, just talking about different things that were important to us. And at the end, um, we both thought Sharon was healthy. I didn't know about all these medical intuitive gifts and I hugged her. And as soon as I hugged her, I felt like I got kicked in my heart and I saw a black hole and I heard cancer and then, but I saw the lining or something. I think it was the lining of the heart. And so I backed away from her and I looked at her and had I not known her so well and known that she was a medical person, that she was a spiritual person that she was one of my mentors, that I could trust her with any gift I had, that she was trying to help me open my gifts. And I looked right at her and I said, Sharon, you have cancer. And she went, no, I don't. And I looked at her and I said, yes, you do. And she said, why would you say that to me? And I said, it's over your heart and it's in your lungs. And I said, you don't have long to live. And she was so mad at me. And at this time, she was my mentor, one of my best friends, someone I really looked up to. And I just backed away. And she gathered up her stuff. And the other two women that we were sitting circle with came out and they were just chit chatting. They didn't know what had happened. But the energy had totally changed into anger. And they just kind of looked at us, asked us what was wrong. Sharon wouldn't sh say anything. and She left. And the very next day, I was working in our back room here at the house where we do treatments now, which was um, a family room at the time. And she called me and said, um, can you come to Sudbury? And I just thought, Sudbury? Sudbury here in our community means you have cancer. If a doctor is referring you to Sudbury, it's meaning that it's bad if you're going that day. Uh, because... It means that, that your cancer is severe or progressing progressing, fast. or it's to the point where they can't help you and they, you, they caught it too late. Um, so there's a cancer center uh, in Sudbury just for people who are all over the world listening to this to understand that. So in our small community, we're referred to Sudbury for this. And I knew then by that call that they suspected it. So I said yes. She came, she picked me up, and we drove straight to Sudbury. She was seeing a physician that afternoon. And on the way there, she said to me, what else do you get about this? That's all she said. And I said, well, I said, I see that the doctor will be an Asian man, tall and thin, glasses. His name will start with, we're going to go down a long hall. We have to turn to the right. He'll be third door from the window. And she said, what does that mean if you're right, Karen? And I said, it means that it's terminal cancer, and that you have about a year to live, a year and a half. And I said, um, and Sharon, there's nothing that they're really going to be able to do. You are going to try treatments, but it won't be curable. And she just stopped. She just didn't talk to me. And so I stopped talking at that point. We went in, and it, it was exactly as I said, third door from the right. It was uh, exactly as I described everything. And her path did follow exactly what the guides had said to me. So what I say is that what the guides said to me, that I said to Sharon, because I don't make it up. I don't guess. I don't, I don't take a stab at it because I think it's funny or entertaining to walk around telling people terrible things. But that it comes from a, a great place of being very scared myself to say, that I am a medical intuitive. It has taken me years to be able to have enough confidence to do it. Because, not just because people challenge it. That's nothing. The, the challenge came from within me. The challenge came from my own ego. It came from my own 
Karen. It came from the secretary. It came from mom. It came from the daughter part of me or the friend part of me um, or the stranger part of me, whatever you want to call it, the little girl. I don't, I don't know, all kinds of places within me that said, um, you're not trained to do this. You're not a doctor. You're not a nurse. You don't have a background. You don't understand. You're not a psychiatrist. How could you say somebody has ADHD? How could you say it? The only place that it came for me was from the space of trusting and trying to love people and to have integrity and intention. And hoping, praying, I don't know. Is there a combination of emotions that you feel that you want to be right? But I remember sometimes, oh, and I could get tearful. Oh, I am. I'm going to cry because I remember Connor, the four-year-old little boy with cancer. You don't want to be right. You don't want to be right when somebody's 70. You don't want to be right when they're 90 or if they're 106. But I do remember how important it is that I'm just the messenger, that I'm the person that carries the message to be able to share it with that person if they want to hear it or not. And whatever they do with it, whether they go to their doctor or they stay at home and just go to work and wait to die or hope a truck hits them instead or take their life instead, whatever it is they want to do is their own business. But I know that in being a medical intuitive, that it was that part of just being the medical intuitive that the job is to deliver the message. No matter which of the six senses I use to get it or which combination comes, but that the responsibility that comes with these gifts is to share the message when I have permission. And then if I'm given permission as a healer, that then I get to do that. And if they give me permission as a psychic and they ask me questions about their future, then I get to do that. And if they ask, give me permission as a medium, then I get to talk to the people who've crossed over to give them messages about that medical situation. And I think it's important that for some people, when you see a medical intuitive, that for some people they come because the medical community doesn't know, the MRI hasn't seen it yet, they may be tested for the next five years, that the guides might say you'll have cancer, or you'll have MS, or you'll have Hodgkin's or whatever, or you'll have Raynaud's in and big things and small things in 10 years or in five years. And some people might say, well, I wouldn't want to know that. And I say, okay, that's fine then. That's where it can be respectful of that. I won't say it. But some people are really proactive and they, they want to know so that they can change diet. They can change exercise. They might try yoga. They might do meditation. They might do positive visualizations and affirmations. They might leave their job. They might leave their marriage. They might leave a best friendship. Um, they might make physical or emotional changes in their life because all are connected in the healing process. And I think when you see a medical intuitive, it can give you choice. And it can give your physician a direction. If your physician is open enough to say they're willing to listen and to run a test. Okay, she says prostate. Remember one person seeing me and I said, you'll have prostate cancer in three years. So for the first two years, the tests show negativity, which is what I said. And the third year it did. But I think that that person at least was able to do what they wanted to within those three years to prepare themselves, whether it was to lose weight or whatever. I think it gives us some power. And, and sometimes when we have some serious illnesses, we feel so powerless. Do I just keep going? I, it seems to be like um, I'm just listening this time. Are you sleeping? I'm not Sitting sleeping. in your chair looking at me <laughs> my left with your eye eyes is, open? <laughs> no, my left eye is exploding. <laughs> oh, how come? <clears throat> I don't know. Okay. Well, I'm a medical intuitive, so <laughs> tell me. <laughs> I should be able to tell you. <laughs> 
No, I've uh, I'm experiencing some weird things in my my left eye right now. I'm just trying to listen and focus. Okay, so as you're doing that, this is one of the things that happens to Kelly and I, and that she's getting that weird. You're getting that weird stuff in your eye. Mm-hmm. But then, what can often happen is you're going out tonight at seven thirty with a group of friends in public. In public, which I'm now not looking forward to. Right, because you're now picking up somebody else's issue with their eye. Mm-hmm. So what happens is is that she'll, you'll feel that. In advance. In advance. Sometimes for an hour, sometimes for the whole day, sometimes for days or a week. And then we have to be able to place it. So the medical intuitive stuff for me was so important to to acknowledge and to be able to use in my life and be able to give the information to people because otherwise I have to hold on to it. And I hold on to it, feeling the pain and the discomfort until I, I give it away. I think that's one of the most frustrating things about um, being an empath. And, I, and I'm going to kind, of, yes. kind of talk about both of them here. Yeah, that's good. The medical intuitive aspect, uh, if people have already sought out their physician um, and all of the knowledge that they can offer, uh, they can give us a yes or a no when we ask about a disease. They can give us a yes or a no when we ask about a test. Um, that they have done or need to do. But when we say, what about your pain in this area of your body? People are often like, oh, I'm not in pain. I don't know what you're talking about. That's not me. You're not getting a good connection with me. Mm-hmm. And this is a terrible reading. Yeah. You're a terrible, <laughs> terrible psychic. <laughs> um, do I have to pay for this session? Uh, no, you don't. So, oh. no, no, go on. Go on. Oh, um, anyway, so people deny their pain. They deny or or, are not aware, I'll say, of the pain that they're living in. But the medical intuitive part seems to be a little bit, I'll say, more concrete in a kind of way Mm -hmm. because they've already had their affirmation that something's wrong. They've been told by someone else and Mm -hmm. they're just repeating a yes or a no that they've got from another, I'll say, professional. Mm -hmm. Versus when we say, what about your hip pain that I'm feeling or this eye pain that I've got exploding in my eye? And people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, well, do you not get migraines? And they're like, oh, yeah, every day. Why is that? Is that weird? Yeah. And it's like, OK, I just asked you about pain and you're saying you have migraines every day, but but you denied being in pain. And it, it's so questionable to me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> oh, the, the, we could. I, I guess. I, sorry, I'm just saying, like, it seems like it has to be a really big diagnosis before people are willing to acknowledge that, um there's discomfort or anything really wrong well like yesterday when I asked a woman about uh, alcohol uh, abuse in her family and in her life and uh, she said maybe oh that's different that's withholding I but that's part of what I'm also wanting to talk about you're talking about where they don't know and I'm going into the space of where they do know and they withhold and then they make it sound like we don't know what we're doing I'm burping up garlic right now (laughs) Sorry. But that is your stuff. Yeah, I saw the croutons me. on the counter. <laughs> <laughs> so the evidence is there. Yeah, not withholding anything here. <laughs> okay, so yeah, with- withholding. I hope you are if it's gas. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, anyhow, okay, onward. So withholding information. When we're trying to get our affirmations by saying... Yeah, and then know. she tells me at the at the end of the session that she's an alcoholic. And when was I going to bring that up? And I have already told her that she has a pooched liver. <laughs> I, for anyone who continues to listen to the show, I hope they make a game of how many times you use old sayings. Okay. <laughs> like petered out or pooched. <laughs> you make me laugh Do you every want to know time. why I say pooched? Hold, hold up the bus here. I want to explain the word pooched. Okay. I say pooched when I'm referring to liver and organs that are fatigued or dying or diseased, or exhausted. And I say pooched because if I don't, people, if I say, like, your liver's done, or if I say um, there's a problem in your liver, everybody goes to the C word. I get ca- the cancer word. Okay. They go right off the chart. They go from zero to 100. And not just that they have cancer, but they're going to be dead in tomorrow morning. So this is escalating very quickly. That's what I'm saying. People escalate their shit. So what I try to do is say pooched because pooched kind of means fatigued. And well, some people don't even know what pooched means. So then it gives me time to be able to say, well, those 30 years of alcohol have kind of fatigued your liver. 
and you need to detox. And I have to find words that are Dr. Oz friendly, or I'll say, and I'm not picking on them, but I just mean somebody in the media that has kind of made certain terms. Mm, where more people ex- will be receptive of what you're saying instead of getting their back up into the escalation. Yes. Yeah, so if Dr. Oz has talked about detoxing for the 50th time, people now are so desensitized to it that they think detoxing my liver, he keeps referring to that as water and lemon. Well, that's not a problem. So they just like people want to simplify honest to God. So if I say things like pooched, it gives me a little time to look at the liver a little closer and say, you should step into your doctor's office in the next week. (laughs) And I mean, no matter what you do, they're still going to escalate when they want to. Yes. Yes, but it gives me a little bit of time to get more information from the guide so I can answer the questions. In terms of a description? Yes, and it also doesn't put them right into a fear zone where their back is up against the wall and they're sitting at me saying, I told you I didn't want to know if I was going to die. And it's <laughs> no like... No one's talking about death here. But and but yeah. I'm just saying, I'm always in the space of having to defend myself instead of being able to educate people. Mm -hmm. And it's not a friendly place where you're trying to educate from a defensive standpoint. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to defend in a positive way, giving myself the, uh, I'll say a friendly enough term where people can at least begin to just wonder or open the door to the conversation. People don't listen. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And and that's, I guess that's why, that's my pooched. (laughs) There's my pooch story. Interesting enough that you're talking about defensiveness because all I was saying is that you date yourself with your comments. <laughs> so that's fun. <laughs> Thank you for that tangent. <laughs> oh, yeah. L- lots of tangents. Um, okay. So medical intuitive. Um, I just think it's really cool. When, like I could tell so many stories about, uh, you know, the, uh, the lady, that older lady that came in and her dead mom told me that her breath stunk. And I told her her breath stunk. And she said, where did that escalate to (laughs) cancer? And I said, um, your mom says your breath stinks. And I said, uh, I can smell it, but she says, I'm nowhere near you. And I said, no, I mean, metaphysically, like in the other realities, I can smell what's in your breath. And it has to do with such and such an organ. And, and that organ doesn't normally come up through the digestive system to make you smell like you've got bad breath. And this reminds me of dogs. Can I go on another tangent? Because I, I think it's funny, not ha-ha funny, more kind of like a WTF, that you even ask me permission to go on your tangents <laughs> yeah. at this point. It's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> because people will trust a dog's smell more than they'll trust a human smell. So if I say that you and I as medical intuitives smell things... Uh, and then I, and people think, oh, that's weird. That's not possible. But dogs can smell cancer. It's like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> and it's funny because since I was a really little girl, um, I had a ridiculous nose. And True. You'd make fun of me in a very loving yeah. way, not not in a yeah. poking fun to put me down. But you always referred to my nose as a bloodhound. That's true. Yeah. And m- knowing my spirit animal is also wolf. So yeah. very much dog energy. Yes. Yeah, we could do a whole show. Well, we will do a whole show on stuff like that too, Kelly. I'm sure there's more tangents. Oh, there will be. People will love my tangents. <laughs> That's really positive thinking there. <laughs> okay, so where was I? You're smelling the woman's breath. Oh, right. So I'm smelling the woman's breath. Uh, but not it's, meaning... No, it's, and it's funny because I can just see you in this session actually sniffing because you're so animated in the way that you sniff even when it's not in this reality. Oh God, that's so true. Cause she's laying on the treatment table and I'm sitting across the room. So it doesn't like, I'm nowhere near her to smell her breath, but I'm going, I can smell breath. You have bad breath. And she's like, well, that's one of the reasons I came to see you was to ask you what's wrong with my breath. Mm-hmm. My doctor has run all kinds of tests. He says, there's nothing wrong with me. And I'm looking inside the body going, oh no, there is. Your digestive system is a mess. Nope, I, nope I, I was told it was fine. I've had some tests and no, it's good. And I said, no, your, your mom is deceased. She's the one that's coming through. Is that accurate? Your mom is deceased. Yes. Is her name Mabel? Yes. Well, did Mabel die of, you know, um, pneumonia? Yes, she did. Well, then I'm damn certain that you have problems with your digestive system and you have cancer and it's your breath is your sign here's your sign <laughs> it's jeff foxworthy so anyway um <laughs> sorry 
Yeah, it's good that you like your own humor. <laughs> I do. Some people will connect with that. And it's only funny now. It's not funny in the treatment. It's just... Anyhow, long story short, she goes back to her community and her doctor says what a nasty ass person I am. And um, that I don't have any education. That I... Which is true. I have two years of college at Canada College in office administration. That's super so nasty. That's on the table. I'm not denying that I'm not medically <coughs> trained. Um, totally accurate. Um, but anyway... So he went, he just ripped, ripped me to pieces and said, what a terrible thing I was doing going around giving people messages like this. And she got sicker and sicker, long, very long story, by the way, but, and I didn't see her till a year after this. She admitted to me that she went around her little community, bad mouthing me to everybody saying they shouldn't see me because I was a liar. Because of what her doctor because had said. Because her doctor said this. Because she was happy with her session when she left. Yes. Okay. She got her mom, she got all kinds of affirmations. She believed she it was so accurate for her about so many things. And I was even able to describe how sick she felt, the problems that she was experiencing, the burping. There was all kinds of different things that she was going through, fatigue, she was sleeping too much, mm -hmm. and uh, dreaming, or, and the types of dreams. I even described her dreams to her. Is this the same woman that where her, it ended up that her doctor was killing her? Yes, I'm getting, getting to that oh, point. I'm, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. So what I'm happened? I'm that person that <laughs> throws the punchline out before you can. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, it's okay. So anyway, she got sicker and sicker, and she didn't believe she could come back to me for any medical intuitive information or healing. Because she was still following her, her doctor. And her doctor yeah. was so mad at me that he doubled her medication, which blows my mind. I just, I just didn't even understand that. So she's telling me this, that he doubled the medication. So she gets sicker and sicker. Her husband one day cannot wake her up. And she was, I can't remember if she was bleeding rectally. I think she was bleeding rectally or something like that. He put her in the car and he drove her to Montreal. I think he said, she said Montreal or some other city, um, where a friend who is an oncologist was going to see her immediately. But the this, this friend said, you really should take her to your local hospital. It sounds like she couldn't make it here. He refused and drove her all the way to see his friend, who is a specialist. She was unconscious at this point. Long story continues. Um, the doctor asked the husband some questions, and out came the story that she came to see me over a year ago, and that there, her dead mother told her that she had cancer of uh, whatever it was, rectal, I can't remember everything. And so he did his own tests, and my information was correct. About the digestive system. About that. But what happened was that he ended up calling her physician in her community and giving him shit because the medication he gave her had eroded um, something through the wall of her intestines, and she was bleeding out. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, not, I'm trying to say the story as accurately as I can because... I'm only saying the story based on what she's told me after what she's gone through, partly when she's not conscious anymore, in that her doctor, or pardon me, her husband's got to repeat part of the story, right? So I'm paraphrasing some things because she came back to tell me after she had had her surgery and recuperated. She came into my treatment room and said, my dear, I need to apologize. I need to tell you that I went around my community badmouthing you that I believed what my this physician had told her and that she had followed the double dosage and that as a result, this is what occurred. And I'm not blaming doctors. They make mistakes. I'm not saying that, that they are not allowed to or that they're not human beings. I'm not saying any of that. Or that they're all working against us either. No. We have wonderful physicians who are oh my God, yes. we happy have, to refer. Yes, and wonderful surgeons and wonderful psychiatrists that do. I'm just saying a story. Because when I like to, sh when I share a story, somebody out there might think, okay, and from that can learn something. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that their doctor's terrible or that they should go run off and see a medical intuitive or a psychic and question no. every single thing. And I think the bigger point in all of this was just to illustrate the difficulties of being the medical intuitive yes. and having to wait all of those years or yes. all of that time, whatever it is in each situation to yeah. get our affirmations. Yeah. Because like you said, it's very, it takes a lot of bravery to say cancer. 
to say sexual abuse oh, and and yes. not know if they're going to deny that or if they don't know because they've repressed memories yeah um or if they're waiting for test results or waiting to even get a test mm-hmm. um just all of the things that confound what we do when it's difficult to begin with yes and and the fact too that in that period of time i'm hearing from her people in her community that she is bad mouthing me and I sit here and just let that go. I don't call her and confront her. I don't challenge those people. I let it be what it is because I can't fight those fights. I can't put out every single one of those little fires, so to speak, or try to address every single time somebody thinks that it's wrong. I have to wait for the universe to present those lessons. And not just for them, but for me too. The lesson that that's required of my ego in that, what is it like to want to stand up and say, but wait, I was right. Or, or even after the fact that she came back and said, I'm apologizing. Did you go talk to the rest of your community? Yeah. Like there yeah. was a part of me that wanted to say, oh, and by the way, did you go tell everybody in your little town that I'm not that liar you refer- you kept telling mm-hmm. everybody I was? No, there has to be a detachment from, yes, from or all that, of that outcome. Yeah. Or that because you did that business dropped off and my practice dies or that like the repercussions mm-hmm. in, in bad mouthing somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. And okay. So I'm just saying all of the different lessons that you have to go through as a medical intuitive, as, as in, in having these gifts in being able to hear people say those things about you or that when you walk into a restaurant, people look at you and look away, they ignore you, they shun you. Um, in that I have to be able to understand that they're processing, that they're going through something, mm-hmm. and that I have to be patient. So I'll tell you, one of the things on Karen Sarlow's life path is patience. <laughs> Along with medical intuitive medium psychic. <laughs> There's your lists again. <laughs> yeah. There's my list. Um, but the great amount of love I have to feel for myself in the process because I could sit there and beat myself up, and my self-esteem could crash. And you know all these things. I know you know. I know you know this because I know them because I feel them. I go through them every day. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, the joy we feel, and that's why I say I happy dance when somebody does come back five years later and says, "I thought you were crazy five years ago, but this all this medical information was correct." Um, or when people just simply say, yes, there is Hodgkin's in my family. I'm here because I want to know if I'm going to get it. And the spirit guides say yes or no. And what that person gets to do with stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, and you find out 10 years later that they died of some other cause and they never did have Hodgkin's, that it takes 10 years to find out that you're accurate. Mm I am. Another point I wanted to make is um, people who don't book sessions, but know what we do because our community is small. Yes. um, And I'll say we're well known, not from an egotistical standpoint, but just your your McGinty name in the community. Um, And then also my my dad. Yeah. So both names well known um, and both actively involved in the community as well. And obviously word of mouth is traveling about what we do. So um, so when people have not booked sessions, we're out in public and they get into conversation with us just as people. Mm-hmm. And it happened to me today in, in uh, the spa. So uh, this this wonderful woman's telling me about something that just happened to her, a uh, pr- procedure she just went through, and she's not asking me the question verbally, but you can see she's looking at me like, please tell me I'm going to be okay. Oh, like, I know yeah. you're a medical intuitive, and, I, and I'm just kind of, I'm telling you because I want you to be <laughs> able to tell me that everything's good. Or, or it's not, right? They're looking yeah. for an answer. Um, and the uh, difficulty in kind of ascertaining whether or not you're supposed to say anything, because here I am in her place of work. She has not sought me out on a professional level, um, but she knows I hear things. So, you know, I think it's it's just on such a moment to moment basis, whether or not I open my mouth and say, don't worry, I'm hearing everything's fine. Um, or if I'm really going to sit there in, in the spa and say, ooh sorry to tell you, um, you're going to have a lengthy, a lengthy process to go through here. It's, it's so, do you find it difficult? Well, I find it very difficult because I've experienced consequences both ways where there's great gratitude when you're in the grocery store and you, uh, and I threw, I'm just going to throw different places out there. 
So make if, a list. Make a list of places again. <laughs> if I'm in Please the don't. No. If I'm in the grocery store, one of you know one of my favorite places, Smart Set. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, clothing store, Susie Shear, whatever. Um, where you get a message and the person gives you permission and you do give the answer and their response is gratitude. Oh, how easy. How easy if you have a good message and they like it. But sometimes you think it's a good message and you give it and they're angry. <laughs> and now if you're at a spa and they're ripping off your eyebrows, I might leave with only one. <laughs> or if you're at the salon and they're cutting your hair or if you're um, yeah, and whatever. I'm, and I'm not necessarily meaning about what, how they're going to react or what they're going to do. I just find it really interesting and sometimes nerve wracking. I, I think I probably end up going into my own anxiety at some points when I know they're looking at me for an answer, but they're mm-hmm. not asking the question. Mm-hmm. And so I have to be, we have to be very careful that um, we're always asking for permission, mm-hmm. but that we're not offering That they Mm -hmm. really do have to be the person to ask the question Mm -hmm. instead of us saying, would you like an answer? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because some people, they look with, uh, I'll say the question is in their eyes, Mm -hmm. but they never speak up verbally. Mm -hmm. And and something else too is medical intuitives where um, in sessions or publicly where they a person wants to ask a question for someone else, Mm. my neighbor's kid, my dog... Uh, my cousin's dog is, go- uh, is going to see the vet in two weeks. Are they going to be okay? Um, where they're asking for other people, where the other person they're asking about hasn't given us permission. Mm-hmm. or and, where, and, I, and I find mothers are notorious for doing this. They come into sessions and go, I want to know about my kids. I want to know about my husband, my mother-in-law, and I want to go about uh, know about my neighbor down the street, my Mabel, and I want to know about my boss. And it's like they don't come in and ask a single question about themselves. They want to know about everybody else, and I have to say to them, you know, how would you feel if your neighbors came in mm-hmm. and booked a session and wanted to know about you? Yeah, they want to know if you have a vaginal infection. Yeah, they want to know if, if how your left <laughs> breast is. Like, really? Mm-hmm. So, I, I, like, and I say this, with, you, know, you know, hopefully provoking a little bit of humor. But, it, it, but to make a point. Because... But to make a very personal point. Mm-hmm. And I picked the vaginal area and the breast because it is that freaking personal. That when somebody comes in and says, well, I want to know about my daughter-in-law. Well, do we want to check in with your daughter-in-law and see if she likes you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, do we want to know, do we want to ask her first if you're on her person list? Yeah, <laughs> where you were would be one of the first people she'd call and tell if she got this news mm-hmm. because a lot of people want the information just to be one up in the position of uh, yeah of, of having that knowledge before anyone else yeah so they come in and say I want to know if my son is going to get this job and it's like well what if he wants to get the good news first what if he wants to celebrate with his his girlfriend or his boyfriend uh, or his kids or, or something no and he's happy about it yes there's so many possibilities here and they take them all away and so there comes that point where again I'm going to go back to this constantly Kelly because I already know you know it I'm not telling you anything new it's the listeners that are hearing this where I have to ask the guides where the guides have to say yes or no because they know the bigger picture Mm -hmm. whether their daughter-in-law really is uh, happy for them to know or not yeah it's the integrity of boundaries Mm mm-hmm and where human beings seem to have shot boundaries to shit. Where they, like they literally, mm-hmm. where they, they don't give two poops for them anymore in any regard. Where they can come in and say, what, what makes you say shit versus poop? <laughs> I'm just wondering at what point you decide I should censor that word. I say shit and then I think, oh, I shouldn't have said that because somebody... <laughs> might be offended by it. And, and you're frequently concerned about offending people? No, I'm not. Because I think this, you're contradicting yourself. Here. It's true. Okay. Okay, I'll just go with my shit and stick with it. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Did I say something? Always. Oh, okay. Okay, so back to being medical intuitives. <laughs> There's my paws again. You're letting them process poop versus shit? Maybe. 
Um, yeah. I, I don't know where I'm going. I'm thinking. Okay. The wheels are spinning. Well, hey, you know what? Why don't we end it there? Okay. And because we've already said that we would like to do con- like um, subsequent shows with uh, the topic of medical intuitive. Yeah. So let's throw it out there that if anyone has a question that was sparked by today or you feel we left something out that you're curious about, um, email us at info at com, and uh, we'll be happy to touch on those different subjects. And I'm going to be the person to say bye for now today. Okay, Kelly, before you say that, okay, and I promise I won't be the one to say anything at the end of the show, um, can you also give them the website? Uh, the joint one? Yes. Yeah, so it's bysarlo.com. Just B-Y-S-A-R-L-O.com. I'm, I'm specifying because some people would put B-I, and we've been confused as partners before. <laughs> so <laughs> it's that we're wanting to show that we have produced things together. <laughs> so by Karen and Kelly Sarlo, but the site's called by Sarlo, all lowercase. As are most websites. This is her 53-year-old coming out in her. Oh. <laughs> all right. Are yeah. we good here? We're good. Okay. Bye for now. <laughs>